is Bad Boys and Beyond with your hosts, Mike Payton and Keith Black Trudeau. The game's over and the Pistons have won the world championship. Welcome back to Bad Boys and Beyond. I'm your host, Mike Payton. With me, as always, is your other host, Keith Black Trudeau. We are uh, going to be doing another another draft episode today. We're doing it early. We're doing it on a Friday because Keith, as we speak, is in Detroit. He's in Detroit right now. At like Not as we speak because we're in the past, but you're listening in the future. So we are recording this from another time. Um, technically, this is time travel, right? Because this isn't going to come out till Wednesday, and we're in the past. Yeah, sure. We're I traveling think to the future. Okay. Uh, we're we're going to be doing the 2002 draft today, and uh, oh boy, not a great draft. Um, yeah, not 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 real good, Mike. No, not really good at all. We're going to be talking about guys like Flip Murray. Uh, Nenad Kristic, 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 Uh, I barely remember this guy, but he actually had a pretty decent, like, 10 year career in the NBA. Uh, but yeah, we're gonna be talking about guys like that, and of course, this is the Yao Ming year, and uh, that's a real interesting season, a really interesting draft, really. Um, kind of a weird, weird draft night thing where he's sitting there with his family, and uh, I don't know, I always felt like I don't know. It just felt it looked funny to me because, um, I don't know. It just it, it was. I think it was the first time that that a draft uh, a draftee was not on like actually in the green room, but was like at their parents' house. Um, yeah. I don't know. This is just weird at the time. Now it makes sense. But uh, before we get into that, um, you want to catch up on 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 some NBA stuff this week? Do, do you would you like? to be the next person to get into the MVP conversation right now? No, I think it's dumb. Yeah, I, it's so stupid. When, 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 all right, I'm, I'm going to put it like this. Um, when, when basketball conversations stop being about basketball, yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm not listening anymore. I, I'm not saying that there's no validity to influences uh, outside of the game uh, improperly affecting awards uh, in this instance but this is just dumb uh, Nikola Jokic is is doing things and yes it's it's a watered down league defensively you you can't escape that but he's doing things that no one else in the history of the game has ever done and he's doing it from the center position and normally you would look at it you would look at him like a, a, a detractor would look at him like they would look at a guy like Russell Westbrook and say oh yeah he's just stuffing the stats he's not affecting winning but the problem is in Jokic's case the better his stats are the more his team wins so you can't even use that excuse so right I, I think it has I think part of it is kind of the the MVP conversation is is starting to become boring because it's the same guy winning it uh the last two years and he's the clear front runner this year and if you can't knock his statistics, if you can't knock his impact on winning games, which I'm sorry, you can't. You the Nuggets were were mediocre last season entirely because he was that good. If you look at his roster that he that he played with and how many guys were out that year, right? They only made the playoffs because of him. And now with a healthy roster, they're one of the handful of favorites to win the title. So you you can't really say that his game doesn't impact winning. So what is the else is there to talk about to what other way can you knock it? Well, it's, it's corrupt voting now. So you, you have to start punching down until you hit something in this case, I think it's dumb. I would rather not talk about it uh, in depth because I don't enjoy like, as I said at the start, I don't enjoy basketball conversations that don't revolve around basketball. Right. I'll listen to them, but if I don't see any validity to them, they're just, it's not fun to argue. 
Well, I, I mean, the only thing I'll say on it is, you know, uh, well, two things I'll say on it is, um, yeah, I mean, I get it. You know, it's boring to have the same guy be the MVP uh, for a third straight season. But like, again, as you mentioned, Jokic is doing things that centers just don't do in this league. I mean, he is he's very, very good uh, and deserving of it. But I could see a path to, to Giannis or something like that, too. But um you know, but I, I get it. The, the other thing is like the showdown between uh, JJ Reddick and Kendrick Perkins is exactly why I don't watch ESPN <laughs> anymore. I mean, it's like, I've just. Two I've of just, my least favorite people in yeah, NBA media. I'm, I'm, I'm tired of it. I look, I don't, I don't know. I don't know when like, you know, Kendrick Perkins is just not good at this job and JJ Reddick is just so sure that he is the smartest guy in the world. Like, it's just so annoying to, to watch. Uh, I just it's can't do it. It's the morning talk show. It's the hot take era of NBA media where it doesn't yeah. really matter if you're right or you're wrong. It doesn't even really matter if you believe what you're saying. As long as what you're saying gets attention, as long as it's a burning hot take, well, that'll drive people to watch the next show that you're on, uh, whether they love you or they hate you. And that's kind of where we're at. It, it's a very disingenuous uh take on uh, discourse and sports in general but that's kind of where we're at in this tv era where everybody's struggling for ratings because everyone has so many options especially in the streaming market so it's just become find the lowest common denominator and just hammer that thing and those are the guys that they want to hire and those are the guys that they want to put on on a platform now Uh, i think it's disgusting Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I would never want to be a part of that. It's easy for me to say I'm I'm just a guy in a podcast, but it, basketball is something that I hold very dear to myself. It is something I consider a part of my identity. Yeah. So if, if I were to get up on a platform like ESPN and say those things, I, I would feel empty inside. It, it sound it might sound weird if you're just a casual observer. And there's nothing wrong with that. I'm just saying that's the reason why someone like me doesn't watch ESPN. I I find what they say very offensive, the the topics that they choose to discuss and how they choose to, to talk about things. No, I mean, you're, you're absolutely right. And that's why I stick to the podcast. That's why, you know, I, I, there's this podcast, which I think is great. Uh, There's Bud and Cardigan and uh, Locked On with Koo. And um, yeah, I mean, you know, I just so much Pistons, re- Pistons, Pistons Pulse. Yeah, I good friend just, of the show, Bryce Simon. Yep, absolutely. Uh, yeah, uh, former and future guest Bryce Simon. I'm sure he'll be back. Hopefully, uh, I know Ku will be on the show at some point, and I'd love to have the Bun and Cardigan boys back. Uh, but you know, then again, it's also I I know you I and then we've talked about this before. I know you don't like Bill Simmons. I I I like Bill Simmons. I like him a lot. I listen to his show every every week. And he has, I think he has good opinions on basketball that you're not going to find on TV. And I think part of that is he's so anti ESPN now. They fired him. He was ESPN for a number of years. I I know, but even when he was at ESPN, he was still Grantland and like it was still wasn't that bad. It wasn't as bad as it is now. Um, But yeah. But yeah, I, I I respect Bill's passion for the game. Yeah. His book of basketball is one of my favorite reads. Right. But the other side of that is I, I probably disagree with a, a very large number of conclusions that he draws in that book. Sure. It's not that I, I don't respect uh, Bill Simmons or I don't uh, think his uh, takes have value. I just disagree with most of them is where, is where we differ. Right. Well, yeah, that's the MVP talk. Uh Piston season's winding down. Looks like Bojan's going to get shut down. Let's just shut everybody down at this point, right? Let's just just uh, let's throw Braxton Key out there, and I know he's not even on the team anymore, but let's go get him. And uh, yeah, well, just... we've got we've got our new Braxton Key, Uminoria, Eugene. Is it Omarie? Or, I think Omar, I Omarie. I. I I feel terrible right now. Yeah, I'm if sorry, man. You mean, I'm sorry. This isn't. I didn't mean to be disrespectful. I just I can't remember how to pronounce your name. When I see it, when I see it, I think of OCU Minoro, who used to play for the 
the Giants. That's what I so I think it's you you Menorah. I think if that's how you say it. But in in any case, he's very much Braxton Key. Yeah. Of Vlad. he he is that try hard guy from the G League that looks very good at the end of the season because he's motivated, he's fresh, uh, he's focused, and a lot of these guys are playing out the string, and he just outplays them on sheer effort. But yeah. like as you saw with Braxton Key this season, you start him at the beginning in at the beginning of the season and all of a sudden he doesn't look as he doesn't stand out as much because now everybody is on, is on the same effort level and he just doesn't have the talent and that's kind of how i see uh eugene he's I, I look i want him to succeed he's the type of player that i think everyone wants to see succeed i just don't know if he's going to be a piston uh next season no i i don't either and uh you know we'll uh I guess we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. But right now, I'm just counting the days to May 16th. <laughs> Draft lottery. I just yeah, you may want to regret it. No, we're gonna we're gonna win it again. Hell I, yeah. You said last year we're gonna win it again. Oh we, no, 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 no. We dropped three spot or two spots. I don't I didn't believe last year, but this year I believe. Um I, it's I, hard I, to believe in luck. We're all just chasing that feeling that we got when, when, you know, when we actually wanted a few years ago. But anyhow, uh, speaking of drafts and draft lotteries and all that stuff, let's get into the 2002 NBA draft. Keith, uh, what kind of news and notes you got for this one? There's not a whole lot that stands out in this draft other than the very large uh, influence of foreign players. But that is one very big thing. And I was thinking earlier today, this draft has a very large parallel uh, with the our, the draft that's coming up, the 2023 draft. Uh, for the first time ever, you had a player out of a foreign uh, basketball league uh, as the number one, consensus number one, can't miss prospect. And right behind him, you had a American point guard that was considered the no doubt number two prospect. Uh, a year before the draft, it, th- th- these guys were locked in as number one and number two, no matter what the draft order was. And then you had, you kind of had a some young guys with with some talent that were kind of unproven, uh, listed in that that second tier beneath those two guys. But I, I don't know. I thought it was kind of interesting uh, because I do very much remember the discourse around this draft. And it was it was a lot like uh, the discourse that we have around this draft coming up. We know Victor's going to go one. Scoot's going to go. I think Scoot is definitely going to go two. And then we, there's just a discussion on, you know, three, four, five, six, and seven. How how do we order these guys? That, that's kind of how the 2002 draft was. So we're kind of looking in a, in a mirror right now as we do this. Yeah, it's. Uh... It's it's going to be really interesting this year's draft, and uh, but yeah, we'll we'll see, but uh, yeah, let's uh, let's see. We got uh, two thousand two. The Houston Rockets are on the board. It is my turn to go first this time, and huh, I'm not going to go with Yao Ming. There it is. I've made my decision. Uh, I get it. I get why you would maybe want to go with Yao Ming. My concern is he only plays eight years. Um, and and that is that's a problem. Uh and I think that sort of. What's that? Sorta. Sorta. I I mean, yeah, I mean I I guess it was eight solid years. It was it was decent. And but I think they're I I, I just don't know, man. You know, I, I felt like everybody was trying to gun for him. Like I remember Shaq saying he couldn't wait to dunk on him. And like I just I don't know. I felt like it was an injury waiting to happen. And I think I think the first time Shaq tried to dunk on or to dunk on him, he blocked him. Yeah, it didn't work out for for old Shaq. Um but yeah, I uh I'm gonna go with Amari Stoudemire. I'm taking the high school kid out of the uh, – uh, with this draft pick here. And, I mean, this guy, come on. Like, I think you're getting a ton of production. You're getting a guy who at one point in time was averaging 25 points a game, uh, almost 10 rebounds. Like, in his heyday with Phoenix, multi-time all-star, he was very, very good. 
things didn't work out um, in in New York. You know, uh, it, it kind of even though he got the got that surgery from Bill Hader, it uh, it it just did not seem to work out. That's a train wreck joke. In case anybody didn't catch that one, uh, good movie. I like that one. But yeah, I'm gonna go with Amari Stoudemire. I think I think that he's the best player in this draft, and I wonder uh, teaming him up with Tracy McGrady, just how far that Houston team could go. Yeah, see, this is this is why I questioned because Yao Ming, you're right. He he only lasted I think eight eight or nine years. But how long did Amari Stoudemire's career last? Essentially. It's about the same length if you really look at it. I mean, he hung around for a little longer, but he wasn't nearly that guy, and he was getting paid a lot of money. Uh, look, I love Amari Stoudemire, which, by the way, out of high school, he was one. I, I, look, I get it. He was technically out of high school, out of, like, finishing school, but he he turned 20, like, a week into his pro season. So right. it wasn't like he was a typical uh, out-of-high-school kid, like a Jalen Duran, for instance, who was – I went to college and he's a year younger than Amari was uh, during his rookie season. Uh, but yeah, Amari, if from a pure scoring perspective, probably one of the top two or three big men of the entire decade of the 2000s. Uh, he had his weaknesses defensively. He wasn't a very uh, great rebounder for how athletic he was. But man, he had the entire package uh, from... If you gave him the ball in space, uh, he could he would overpower. Uh, physically, he was a lot like Jalen Duren. Uh, for for people that are too young to remember how Amari was in his prime, uh, he he would just overpower smaller uh, forwards, and he would just blow right by uh, centers. There was no real good matchup for him. Had an absolutely deadly mid range game. Could shoot the pull up. Could uh, shoot the pick and pop. Uh, he and Steve Nash were great with that. It was one of my favorite pick and roll combos of all time. I'm not going to say I would have picked him one, but I look. If you're not going to pick Yao one, there was only one other defensible option, and that was Amari. And how he fits with the Rockets, I actually think, believe it or not, you could you, your best defense here would have been pair Amari was with uh, Steve Francis, and I think there's some magic there. Like the, those guys, yeah that you would have this uh, really fun, entertaining, athletic team. I think Steve Francis fits way better with Amari than he does with Yao. Yeah, so like from a fit, Yeah, from a fit standpoint, I actually think this is the best fit uh, for the Rockets. Uh, so essentially with that being said, the, as the Chicago Bulls picking number two, my pick has been made for me. Uh, the, Chicago, the, the Chicago Bulls select Yao Ming out of China. and. I think there's a bit of tragedy to Yao's career because at seven foot six and a very stocky seven, he's not like Victor. No one had any questions about his frame. Uh, but the problem is he had, he had so much weight on those feet and his feet were just not built uh, to hold all that size, which is what led to so many foot injuries. And that's what ended his career prematurely. But in his prime, God, those that, Yes, he only lasted eight years, but man, those were some really, really, really good years. Like it, you wouldn't think so by looking at the the pure scoring statistics, but that's a lot of that's because the game was so uh, slow paced uh, during his prime. But there was just nothing you could do with Yao Ming inside of, I want to say, twelve feet. Not only was he uh, an excellent post player with great hands, uh, he had. A very good mid-range game. Not Amari good, but it was good enough to where you couldn't disrespect him from out there. He could put it on the ball, uh, put the ball on the floor a little bit, even though he wasn't that athletic. Uh, very good rim protector. Like one of the best uh, rim protectors uh, that I've seen in my lifetime. He was he was that good as a shot blocker uh, at coming over. Like He was like Brooke Lopez, like a, like a Hall of Fame version of Brooke Lopez in terms of being a drop uh, drop defender. Yeah, I, I think ultimately his career is kind of looked on as a disappointment, but that's only because everyone expected so much of him. He he was a legitimate all-star, uh, yeah. perennial all-star in his prime. Uh, what he does for the Bulls, I'm not 100% sure, but there's no one else I, I, I was even considering here. Because I think the Bulls at this point, 
especially after they traded Eddie Curry, they're, they're so far away from being even a legitimately decent team. So there's a good chance that Yale plays his career in Chicago. Great media market. But at the same time, I don't know if they're able to build around him in time before his his health starts to give out. I wonder what right. they do with uh, Tyson Chandler there, too, at center. Um, it's such a weird team, this Bulls team. Jamal Crawford. Well, they still, yeah, they have they have Chandler and Eddie Curry. But at this point, I'm, I'm selling Eddie Curry for 50 cents on the dollar. Yeah. Because it was very clear in his rookie season that, like, look, both Chandler and Curry struggled their rookie seasons. But I think it was clear Chandler had more of a drive to become better, and Curry was just coasting on his on his uh, talent. Uh, I don't think, if the Bulls had the number one pick in this draft, I don't think there's any question they would have drafted Yao, even knowing what, <laughs> even after drafting two big men in their previous year. There was just two, way, way, way more upside with Yao than there was with Curry or Chandler. So yeah, I think they would keep one and trade the other and try to try to move on with that. Yeah, that would be interesting. All right, I am up with the Golden State Warriors and let's see, what do I want to do? I don't want to take Mike Dunleavy again. I'm pretty sure I don't want to do that. You, you got Jason Richardson, I believe, right now, and Antoine yeah. Jameson. Antoine Jameson, right? So you're I, pretty set at the two, at the two and the four. Yep, I think I think the best thing to do here is take Carlos Boozer. Obviously, uh, I, I mean that's a really interesting team. If we can hold on to Gilbert Arenas, plus you know still have Antoine Jameson plus Jason Richardson, then add Carlos Boozer into the mix. That's a, I think that's an interesting team. I would note that I think Gilbert's fate was kind of, it's like Mehmet Okur's fate in Detroit. I think it was kind of sealed because they simply couldn't afford to bring him back under the, right. under the capitals at the time. I think they would, I, they would have needed to purge a, a good number of their, their talented players to get enough cap space to bring him back. Even if they knew he was, how good he was going to be. Well, not in my world. In my world, we're we're purging cap space and we're keeping Gilbert Arenas, and we're going to have this amazing starting lineup. Uh, okay, but, but yeah, I love you know I love Carlos Boozer. Uh, maybe the best chest hair in the in the league. I would have to say. Uh, <laughs> remember that time he tried to dye his hair? I don't I don't remember. You look, well, yeah, you wound up looking like a Lego character. Yeah. Oh, good lord, Carlos. Uh, Interesting, interesting story um, about how he wound up in Utah. I'll let you tell it. So, yeah, initially, and I believe Carlos was a mid-second round pick in this in this draft, which is just nuts. Considering we just spent 10 minutes crabbing on how, how shallow the talent pool was. It's a lot like Michael Redden uh, a few years uh, ago, or prior to this. So... Carlos Boozer essentially, he he's on a, a second round contract with, uh, I want to say it's a two three year deal. Third year was a team option. He's not making barely any money. So after the second season uh, in Cleveland, he basically tries to pull an under the under the table deal with Cavs management, saying, "If you let me out of this this third uh, minimum salary deal, if you if you decline the team option." I'll renegotiate with you and I'll sign with the Cavs long-term. So the Cavs kind of took him at his word, which they shouldn't because he had no obligation to follow through on that. And the Utah Jazz came calling with a, a massive contract offer. And he took it essentially without even telling the Cavs. It was just, it, he absolutely, uh, <laughs> he, he absolutely screwed the Cavs over and he was, it's kind of weird to say a team with LeBron James that they cared that much about Carlos Boozer, but they were they were kind of uh, looking forward to Boozer being like LeBron's Horace Grant, and that that the, he abandoned uh, LeBron and Cleveland to go to Utah was kind of a it was kind of a shock to the entire NBA world because they thought Boozer and LeBron were going to be uh, uh, teammates for the next decade. But yeah, uh, Boozer, and I don't want to call Boozer Horace Grant because defensively he was never nearly that good. Offensively, probably a little bit better. Yeah, but he, I mean, he we was a legitimately very good player for a number of years. Uh, how he fits on Golden State, 
I, I think maybe you could move Jameis into the three and maybe you could try to try to squeeze some things to work it out. Or you could trade uh, Jameis and mm-hmm. I, I don't think it necessarily matters. The Warriors ultimately traded him anyway. So right. Bo- Boozer, I think, is clearly the third most talented player in this draft. So it's, it's I, I can't really criticize the selection. So uh, number four with the Memphis Grizzlies. And what we have right now is we have got Pau Gasol. Uh, we've made the mistake of trading Mike Bibby. We now have Jason Williams on our team. White chocolate Jason Williams, not That's the one right. that, not the one in this draft pool. Draft pool. We have Stromile Swift. Oh yeah, <laughs> unfortunately. Okay, so this is a very easy selection for me to make uh with the number four pick the memphis grizzlies you know if they have shane battier too crap that's right that's right yeah all right so you know what i'm still gonna take him uh with the number four pick the memphis grizzlies select karan butler oh not the guy that i know i know you're you're anticipating me selecting a different i was uh but karan butler is simply a better individual player I, i i think Maybe he isn't the best fit if the Grizzlies were a championship contender, uh, but they're not. They're very far from that. They need talent. They need individual talent. And uh, Tough Juice himself, Karan Butler, a uh, a former Piston briefly, uh, w- one of the best two-way small forwards uh, of this decade, uh, one-time All-Star, never made an all-defensive team, but he was always considered one of the better individual perimeter uh, defensive guys. 20-point uh, a game score in his prime. I, I think he's incredibly underrated. And I, I think it's kind of sad that he suffered. I think it was he tore his ACL in 2011 in Dallas. And he would have been one of the best players on that team that went out and won the championship without him. And I think that would have gotten him a lot more recognition than he gets today. Because he was really, really good. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, and he, I mean, he he was one of the primary pieces that gets traded to LA for Shaq uh, a few years from now. So, I, I'm is he going to work with uh, Shane Battier? One of them will have to play the two. Maybe one of them can move up to the four. Yeah, I think Battier can probably play the four, uh, even at a, even at a younger age. So, yep. I, and I I think look, Karan Butler, I think is the perfect like grit and grind player for for everything that's coming for Memphis uh, down the road. Yeah, no, I, I, as a, as a kid who was living in Memphis at the time, I would have welcomed Karan Butler uh, over Drew Gooden any day of the week. Um, so yeah, that's uh yeah, I like that pick. Yeah. Um, Drew, Drew, Drew did not last too long in Memphis. No, he did not. He certainly didn't. Um, all right, so I am up, and I'm going to take uh, uh, with with the Denver Nuggets pick. I'm going to take uh, Tishkavili. I'm going to stick. <laughs> you, and, <laughs> are you purposely butchering his name? I no, I don't it, pronounce it. It's it, it's not Tishkavili. Huh? Skishvili? Skidishvili. Skidishvili. I thought it was Tish Tishkavili. Tishkavili or Skishvili. Okay, well I'm not taking him. He's not on my board. Not not mine either. I'm, I'm, you know who I'm going to take. I'm going to take Tayshawn Prince, Pistons legend okay. Tayshawn Prince. Uh, I look at this Nuggets yeah. lineup, and, you know, we got Marcus Camby at center. We've got uh, Juwan Howard still hanging around the league at this point in time. Uh, Rodney White, former Piston, is over uh, in, in Denver now. Uh, really, wow, this is not a very good team. And, uh, you know they they need some help, man. They they need any any help that you can get. This Nuggets team is going to be really bad, uh, at least for another couple of years until, um, you know they get uh, uh, Chauncey and everybody over there to to help out. But yes, this is a team that won seventeen games. So Tayshawn Prince is going to be a, a a big time player here. I think he's going to play a much bigger role than in Denver than he did in Detroit. Um, okay. I think I think you see him score a little bit more. Unfortunately, unfortunately, you're not going to see the uh, amazing block against the Pacers in game two uh, because the Nuggets are probably still not going to the playoffs this year uh, or next year or really ever. I'm sure Tayshaun will play a nice six years in Denver and then ask to get out of there. And uh, yeah, that's what we've got. Tayshaun Prince to the Nuggets. All right. So 
I think you have royally screwed the Nuggets here. You think so? I'm just being honest. Really? It's not that it's not that Tayshaun Prince isn't one of the five or six best players in this draft class. He is. But you have to look at the butterfly effect of what you have just done. Did I screw over because... Carmelo Anthony? Oh, no, get... no, you, you screwed over the Nuggets, and you may have screwed over Tayshaun Prince a little bit. But though you're probably right. His numbers will probably be better on a worse team. Yeah. Or at least his volume. I don't know if his efficiency will be great. But in any case, uh, the, the Pistons, when they, should they still maintain that number two pick uh, in the draft a year from now? Now have a gaping hole at small forward. So are they going to pass on Carmelo Anthony? Uh, probably not. And that will leave the number three pick with Carmelo and LeBron off the board in Denver. And who do you think they're going to wind up with? It's going to be Darko Milicic. Well, maybe. I mean, well, I don't know. Not Denver, necessarily. Denver, they, Denver, they, Denver tried to trade up to yes, get Darko. I, I know they liked Darko, but in, in, my, in my, what I think happens here is that the Pistons the Pistons wind up taking Carmelo with the second pick. Yes. And, and then Denver takes Chris Bosh. That's what I would think would happen in, well, in this world. Uh, but then again, I don't know. But also, I, you know, I make the argument that if Denver takes Darko, it's probably a better situation for him because he's going to get a lot more. It, it's, it's almost going to be like a James Wiseman on the Pistons situation where he's going to get a lot more time to, with the coach to be developed and all that, Denver's not trying to win a championship right now. They're trying to they they're trying to develop players. So I, I think I'm not saying Darko becomes an all star if he gets drafted by Denver, but I think it's a better situation than it was in Detroit, where Larry Brown is trying to win a championship. He doesn't care about Darko at this moment, and Larry Brown notoriously doesn't like rookies. So uh, I don't know. It's just a better. I I think it works out. I think it works out. All right. So. Pistons uh, legend Carmelo Anthony. With, with the number six pick in this draft, uh, the Cleveland Cavaliers. And this is interesting because you want to select a player that's going to be good, of course, but you don't want under any circumstances to select a player that's going to make the Cavaliers too good. <laughs> I, I I am not going because they need to be the worst team in the league this season in order to get LeBron James. Right. Now I'm not going to select Dewan Wagner. I, I'm not going to tank this pick. I need I, I have to toe the line here. I have to honestly pick somebody good. And I think there is a very good happy medium here, and that is one Mike Dunleavy Jr. Oh, okay. Yeah. Good uh, shooter. Yep, excellent college player. Uh I, I also a lottery pick in real life. I, I think he got a little bit of a knock because he wasn't that good of a defender. Uh, but he was at, at six foot eight. He could handle the ball. He could shoot from an offensive standpoint. I thought he was he was a very very effective player. He just was terrible on defense, and I think that always capped his ceiling. But he was a legitimate triple double threat uh, for for a couple of years on any given night. And as I said, as I just said, he's not that very he's not that good of a defender. He's actually probably one of the worst defenders in the league that was getting heavy minutes at that time. So I don't think he's going to raise the Cavs ceiling a, a great deal in his rookie season, but you put him with LeBron, you give LeBron a, a high IQ floor spacer. We we've already, we've seen what he's done with those guys, his entire career, the guys that were smart, knew how to play and could shoot the three. Mike Dunleavy checks all those boxes. So I, I think I've, I've by far, I think he's the best pick left on the board to pair with a young LeBron James to start his career. Yeah, that's really interesting. I I, I like I like that. And he's not going to rock the boat to a point where Cleveland's going to lose that number one pick. Yeah. He'll he'll be the guy, you know, who's like, oh that guy's that guy's good. He'll be a part of the rebuild. Um okay. Yeah, I like that. Uh all right. Uh, the Nuggets are back on the board again. The New York Knicks had this pick originally and traded it to Denver. Four. I don't know. Former I, piston. Huh? Much, former much, piston. Loved, much loved former piston. Oh, God. I'm so, I should totally get this, shouldn't I? Sort of. It's, oh, one, it's, one of, it's one of um 
Mason's favorite uh, calls. He really had fun calling this guy's name. Oh, God, just tell me. I, I'm going to know it as soon as you just tell Antonio me. Antonio McDice. Oh, of course. Yeah. Of course. Uh, from, yes. I had so much, I had so much faith that you could get that one. Yeah, that's that's I'm that's my bad. I totally forgot that McDice was a, a Nick. That I must have just I don't, must not have been a big highlight there. Um okay. All right, well. Uh all right, so I've got the nuggets here. I'm tempted to take a center, but Marcus Camby's here and he's pretty good. Uh I mean, this is you know around the time when Marcus Camby is a decent player. Uh, and also always kind of was a uh, great defender. Uh, but I am going to, I'm going to do something a little different here. I'm going to take a guy who uh, I'm going to have to have my, you know, I'm going to have to have Kiki Vandaway, who I think is in charge at this time. Uh, I'm going to have he to was. have, yep. I'm going to have to have him get some people to go over to Spain and talk to some people. Uh, about letting this kid come out early. I'm going to take Luis Scola, who uh, is is 21 years old at this time, but doesn't actually show up to the league till 2008 because he play, he's playing in Spain, so he gets stashed. But I'm going to try to get Luis over here early. And uh, I like Scola. He was he was a great player. Uh, not, not a great player, but he was a fine enough player. There was a point in time where he was you know 18 points a game nine rebounds. Uh, I think, you know, I, if I remember correctly, he had the ability to shoot the three ball. Didn't do it a whole lot. Uh, I think, you know, he probably would a lot more now. Uh, he'd be a big-time three-point shooter nowadays. But, um, yeah, Luis Scola to the Knicks. Again, we're rebuilding. It's going to take time. But I think Scola and, uh, and Tayshaun Prince is a pretty good start. Yeah, Luis Scola, one of the one of a, a member of that Argentinian uh, golden class of players from the two thousands. They almost all of them uh, played in the NBA for some amount of time. Uh, could shoot, but he was really used to shooting from the international line more than the NBA three. He could shoot the NBA three, but he wasn't as comfortable with it. Uh, very high motor player, very intelligent player. All those Argentinian players were intelligent. Could post, could take care of mismatches. Uh, not the greatest defender, but as as a glue guy, I think I would call him the glue guy of that team uh, of Argentina. And yeah, I, I think he he fits right in uh, on the Denver Nuggets. I, if anything, I think he's uh, he would evolve into like one of those locker room leader guys down the road. A really, really nice player. Like he was a name before he came to the NBA because he every time the Olympics happened, you know, he was front and center uh, with Argentina, who was always one of the the tournament favorites. So it was almost like a college team where you knew all those guys on Argentina before they ever came into the NBA, except for I think Manu. I think I think Manu was the first guy, and then because he was on the team, you got to know all the other guys. Right. All right. So the. The the LA Clippers, uh via the Atlanta Hawks, who they acquired that pick for Lawrence and Wright uh, a few years prior to this. And well, this is a very easy pick for me because this guy's been the number one player on my board for three picks now. Uh out of Brazil, nice. the the LA Clippers select uh Nene Hilario. Just soon to be known as simply Nene, because if you're Brazilian and famous, you just go by one name. You can blame you can blame Pele for that. And uh, how how does Nene fit on the Clippers? I don't really care at this point. I know Elton Brand is is already there, but Nene could play center, and Elton Brand could play the four. So I don't think that's a huge. Uh, I don't think that's a huge problem. Now, does does he fit long term? Yeah, yeah, I think he does because you know maybe a year from now the Clippers, even if they draft Chris Kamen, that that's still a really nice three big lineup. They are not going to be. I I don't think the Clippers are going to be better any sooner. I think they still need very much need to go and get Sam Cassell before they're a playoff team. But 
yeah, the um, you just can't pass up on Nene. Truth be told, Nene was actually the fourth, fourth or fifth best player on my board, but there there was just too many situations uh, prior to this where fit became an issue. Uh, but when you're dealing with the Clippers, fit isn't really a thing, and he's just too talented. So, I this is to me this is kind of the steal of the draft, getting Nene at number eight uh, in this draft class. So with the number nine pick in the draft, uh, the Phoenix Suns are up. Mike, you were selected. I was hoping that Nene would be here, and uh, I'm sad that he's not. I, I also kind of feel like I should have taken, taken him earlier, but I, I don't know. I just couldn't – I couldn't uh, – I don't know. I just couldn't do it. Um, I wanted to take him with that Nuggets pick, but Marcus Camby was there. So – I'm going to take, uh, for the Phoenix Suns, this is a team that really needs some help in the uh, the big man department. Uh, let me uh, let me tell you the centers that are on this team currently. There's Bo Outlaw. Remember Bo Outlaw? Yeah. Uh, Jake? Sakalitas. Sakalitas. I had that name in my mind when you were bringing up the sound. Okay, he's going <laughs> to Jake I had that one loaded and ready to go. Jake, Jake Voschkel. And Scott Williams. None of these guys are are very good, and a few of them are just they're going to be out of here. Yeah, but, uh, but one of them is three sure. championship rings. Which one's that? Scott Williams. Scott, well, with the Spurs, I bet. No, Scott Williams. He was with the their oh, first oh, the, Jordan. The Bulls. Oh, the Bulls. Yes. Okay. Yeah. That's Scott Williams. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> uh, I'm going to take. Uh, so then I'm going to take the next best center. And now that Nene's n- not here, I'm going to take Drew Gooden, who we kind of dogged on a little bit earlier, but. Drew was Drew was actually a decent uh, center there for for quite a while in, in his early career. Even in his later years, he was a serviceable backup center in the league, and he played for a long time. He played from 2003 to 2016. I mean, this guy was just in the league a few years ago. Uh, but yeah, I, I I like what Drew can bring to this team, and uh, you know, this is a team that is going to be making a real run here soon once they uh, start to put things together. But yeah, I, I think this is a much better center option than, than what they currently have. And I think he will, uh, he will pair nicely with, Oh, we didn't take anybody earlier. I'm sorry. Never mind. <laughs> I'm losing my mind. Uh, I'm <laughs> losing my mind. It's too early in the day. Uh, it's actually 1245. It's not that early in the day, but anyways, you know what I'm talking about. I'm going with Drew Good. Yeah, Drew, I, I think he was, I think he got kind of a bad reputation uh, as his career went on because he was kind of a knucklehead. He, he was, he kind of got that reputation as a, a guy you couldn't trust uh, to do what he need, needed to be done on a basketball court because he's, his mind kind of floated and he would do silly things for no reason. But people forget how good he was his rookie season. He was, after Yao and Amari Stoudemire, I think he was without a doubt the third best rookie uh, in this class of that first year. And, you know, Memphis kind of, as we went over before, Memphis got tired of his act pretty quickly. He traded him to Orlando halfway through his rookie season, which he was he was already a double-figure scorer as a power forward. Very talented guy. He never had three-point range, which kind of hurt him. But as far as being athletic... Uh, being quick, having good hands, like he had all of that. He could put points on the board, and he was a decent rebounder. And what I remember most about Drew Gooden uh, was he was, I don't want to say he was a piston killer, but he was a guy that really annoyed me. Every time the Pistons would play, uh, Drew Gooden would, he always seemed to put up numbers. And that he, that happened in the playoffs where everyone re- remembers McGrady's uh, historically great uh, first round series against the Pistons in 2003, but Drew Gordon was clearly the second best player in that Magic team. He was the only other guy other than Tracy McGrady that was putting the ball in the basket, and he was given he gave Ben Wallace fits for I think the first three or four games, where he was actually getting baskets at a good percentage around the rim against Ben Wallace, and of course Ben eventually got a handle on him and took him out of the series. Uh, but the point stands. Uh, Drew, Drew Gooden had talent, and then you saw that a little bit uh, when he w- went to Cleveland and paired with LeBron James. Uh, he had some good moments there as well. So, 
the number 10 pick, and that falls to me. I am acting as the Miami Heat, who are going through a kind of a, I don't want to call it a rebuild uh, in the spirit of uh, Troy Weaver. Let's call it a, a restore because that, that Alonzo morning, uh, Tim Hardaway era is finally, it's finally over in Miami. A lot of great years, a lot of very, very bad playoff defeats. And what am I going to, who's the best guy to kickstart this one for me? Ooh, this might take a second. Mm-hmm. You know what? I, I am going to go with. I'm going to go with. I'm, I'm going to go a little bit outside the box here, but not terribly. You're ex- probably expecting me to pick one guy, but I'm not going to take him. Uh, I'm going to go with Matt Barnes. Okay, I like it. Yep, Matt Barnes, who's never a a stat stuffing type of player, uh, probably has worse numbers than just about everybody uh that work that's going to get picked today but what he is he was an irritant he was a excellent role player very good defensive player could shoot a little bit uh had that cockiness that that irrational uh irrational confidence level to him he is the perfect uh pat riley type role player and he he kind of proved it when he went to uh orlando and golden state and had had a lot of success on those teams yeah, on a normal draft, you wouldn't he would not get anywhere near the top ten. Uh, but this isn't a normal draft. This is a very shallow draft. So I'm not looking for talent at this point. Uh, I'm really I'm looking for winners. And Matt Barnes, as nutty as he can be, was definitely a guy. He was a foxhole guy. He was a guy you, you definitely wanted on your team, and you hated it when he was on the other team. Yeah, hard hardworking guy. Uh, for fun, let's let's just I'm gonna run through his uh his transaction history here because it it's wild. Uh starts off with the Clippers, then goes to Sacramento, then to the Knicks, then to the 76ers, then to the Warriors. He he lasts in the Golden State for two years now. Uh then he then he goes to the Suns, then the Magic, then the Lakers, then the Clippers, then the, then the Memphis Grizzlies, then the Kings. Then the Warriors again, where he uh, plays his last year and wins his only championship uh, with that 2017 Warriors team. That is just an unbelievable. Like this is the guy that <laughs> you you are renting. He's a renter. Clearly, yeah. uh, you're not setting up shop anywhere for too long. That's just wild that he had and that, that many teams. And that is the mark against him because he kind of burns out uh, every now and then where teams kind of get tired of he was kind of a high maintenance role player but if you put him on a team that's in any way shape or form trying to win i think you get the best out of him and i think that's a great situation in miami because pat riley's always trying to win now so i think there i think there's an argument that he maybe if you if you put him on the miami heat maybe he sticks around and maybe he's not so much of a nomad all right. <clears throat> the Washington Wizards are on the board. And as we mentioned, this is a shallow draft. So I'm going to go outside of the box as well. Because uh, Michael Jordan plays for this team right now. The the greatest player of all time, hands down. Sorry to the LeBron people. Michael Jordan's the greatest of all time. But we're not going to get into that conversation. But if you wanted to bring a guy in to learn from anyone in this world, it would be Michael Jordan, who is in his older phase, this time for some tutelage, and, and maybe you could pass the, the 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 torch on to the next guy. Uh, and that's what I'm going to do with this pick when I select Dewan Wagner, who we mentioned last week. Yep, I'm taking him. Who we mentioned last week, we both agreed that we thought this would be the guy in this draft. And look, um, at 19 years old, he gets drafted by the Cleveland Cavaliers. He plays 47 games that season, averages 13 points a game. He's actually a pretty decent player. Gets ulcerative colitis, which is, yeah. uh, you know, this is he, he has problems. He has health issues. Um, and, and we're going to hope that in, 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 in our world, he doesn't have those issues. 
and he could help get these things figured out. Uh, and, and yeah, you know, I, I, colitis is, it, it's a bitch, you know, my uncle had it. It's not an easy, uh, disease to, to have. Um, and we're, and we're going to hope that he can, uh, not have it in our world and, or, or at least the doctors in Washington are better than the ones in Cleveland, maybe, uh, but yeah, you know, I'm going outside the box. I'm taking Dewan Wagner just because, again, I was uh, in Memphis when Dewan was playing for the University of Memphis, and I remember him being just, you know, very good player then. Uh, so I was kind of become kind of became a bit of a fan of Dewan Wagner. So that's another reason I'm making sure he gets on the draft board here. Okay, so. But you yeah, should have looked at you should have saw Keith's face. It's too bad this is an audio medium. Because Keith put on, he, he looked, he put on a face that looked like I just murdered somebody on camera. And then you go, why? Well, because you know, you already know he's going to, okay. Yeah, I do. Right. But I'm still doing it. So back, back on the board are the LA Clippers. And I am going to, this is the, this is one of the easier selections I'll ever have to make. I'm taking John Salmons. Yep. Uh, John Salmons. Uh, very much a role player, but he is also a guy that once averaged 18 points a game. Uh, I I thought he got, yeah, look, back in back in the 2000s, because he did play on a lot of bad teams, John Selman's got the rap of a guy that would put up numbers, but his team would generally lose, and that's true. But that doesn't take away from the fact that he could play, and there's not a whole lot of guys left on this board that had a proven record of really, really being able to play at the NBA level. John Selman's uh, very much the opposite of a Matt Barnes where his intangibles weren't great, but he would put up numbers. And that's kind of what the Clippers, but the, the Clippers could really use a guy that could put up numbers and a guy that they can give the ball on the perimeter with, um, with so much. And I just gave them Nene and they already have Elton Brand. They're probably going to draft Chris Kamen next season. So that give them some help uh, at forward, uh, even with Q Rich, I think is still there. I don't think it, he moves the needle enough. Uh, Salmon's very much a, a dominant ball handler, which they need. And I am absolutely in love with this fit. I think the Clippers got a great haul with both Nene and John Salmon's. I, I I think there's a good chance that this draft, as, as I've picked for them, could actually get them to the conference finals uh, once they get Sam Cassell aboard. Well, uh, speaking of Sam Cassell... He is uh he's gonna be on this Bucks team this year. Yeah. And so, uh, so will Gary Payton. Yep, Gary Payton will be as well. Uh that's two point guards. Um and, and uh both of them are not gonna be on this team next year. Uh they're both gonna be out of town right after this season. Gary Payton's obviously gonna go to the Lakers team that's going to lose to the Pistons in the uh in the finals. Um uh, and Sam Cassell is gonna head over to Minnesota try his luck over there and uh that's why i am going to select a point guard for them and i'm going outside of the box again keith uh i am gonna draft this kid and i'm gonna sit him down and i'm gonna say you can't buy a motorcycle that's the one rule here in milwaukee is that we do not allow our players to buy motorcycles and you are going to be the point guard of the Milwaukee Bucks future. And his name is Jay Williams. Look, uh, just too good of a college player for me just to not to not draft this kid. I, I mean, he had one good, he had one year in Chicago. It wasn't like the greatest year of all time. It, you know, he had like 10 points a game. It wasn't, you know, but there was something there. You could see it. You could see that this kid was going to get better. He was when I at the very beginning of this episode when I say there was a no doubt number considered no doubt number two pick in the draft it was Jay Williams absolutely that's that's he was looked at head and shoulders above everybody else in this draft not not named Yao Ming and, and you know and that's for that reason I I gotta take him I mean I know we all know what really happens Jay Williams gets a motor, motorcycle he gets an accident he never plays again uh, but. In Milwaukee, he's not allowed to have a motorcycle. So, uh, and uh, we'll see where it goes. So, I, I you did 
miss one thing, however. Uh, when when he does, when he did get drafted with the Bulls, they also told him he couldn't ride a motorcycle. Did they really? It was, yes. Motorcycle, it was written into his contract that he, that one of the activities he was forbidden from was mo- was riding a motorcycle. Oh, and, Jay. Anyway. and he did it anyway. So, so that, yeah, I, I have to undercut you a little bit there. Uh, but I'm actually more mad you didn't pick him earlier because this is the guy you should have given Michael Jordan. Because Michael Jordan may have scared him into not doing it. Yeah. Uh, in Washington. Uh, but yeah, the the Bulls actually could have voided his entire rookie contract uh, because he did that and they chose not to. So, you know, kudos to them for, you know, being human beings in that moment. I guess Jerry Krause isn't that bad of a guy after all. No, well, they, I mean, they still, they bought him out. They didn't give him the full term of his cut, but they, they, okay. they paid him a few million dollars. He got something out of it, even though his career was over for him, you know, doing something dumb and reckless. But that's kind of, they, they did actually write that. I don't know if he had a reputation or if that's just standard in NBA contracts, like skydiving or, or some dangerous stuff that you can't do. Uh, but it was reportedly, you know, like in his contract, the word motorcycle. All right. So, all right. We are coming up on the last pick in the draft. Uh, the Indiana Pacers and the Indiana Pacers, they've got, uh, Jermaine O'Neal at this point, they've got Jamal Tinsley. Uh, this is going to be a this is going to be a really dangerous young team in a few years. So they've got Al Harrington as well. Uh, they're they're going to get Ron Artest sooner than later. Actually, I think they have Ron Artest right now, don't they? I think they uh, do. Yeah, they do. I believe. Yeah, they made that trade a year ago. So yeah, they're they're already they've already got their core. Uh, what they need is a support guy. Uh, you know what? I'm going to I'm going to go outside the box uh, myself with this 14th pick because I don't see anyone here that I'm going to regret passing on. All right, so I am going to go back to Spain oh. and draft another foreign player, uh, La Bamba himself. Uh, the Indiana Pacers select Juan Carlos Navarro, and if you don't know who Juan Carlos Navarro is. I don't blame you. He only played one year in the NBA. However, that's not because he wasn't good. He was a very, very good international player for a long time. Uh, I think the reasons for him not really coming over here is because he was getting paid a lot more uh, to play overseas than he would for a a role player minimum salary NBA deal. I am going to give him more importance than that. I'm going to make him a first-round pick and hope that that – extra money entices him to come over because I'll tell you what, Juan Carlos Navarro could have been an elite six man in the NBA for a number of years. He could have been a poor man's version of what Manu Ginobili was for the Spurs. Uh, good shooter, explosive, uh, explosive athlete, even though he wasn't very tall, uh, could play make, could defend, could shoot, could Everything that you would really want out of a third guard, uh, Juan Carlos Navarro was that guy. And he his one year uh, in the NBA uh, playing in Memphis, I can I don't remember if he was the sixth man or if he was a starter, but he was he was a double figure scorer. It's not it's not like he didn't prove he, that he could play in the league. He did he could, uh, but I don't know. I he he was more than anything. He was just such an entertaining player. And I I one of my regrets is that the NBA didn't. He didn't last in the NBA for, for longer than a year because I think he would have been a lot of people's favorite player or at least favorite role player because he was he was that level of exciting. There's a reason that he was called La Bamba. <laughs> wow, I did not uh I didn't expect La Bamba to to show up in this in this draft, but well that's it. That's that's the 2002 NBA draft. But as we do, as we do. We are going to move the Pistons up from the 23rd pick, where they originally took Tayshaun Prince, uh, to the 15th pick. Still not going to help a bunch. Still not going to help a bunch, but I've got the guy. I already know who I want to take for this team. I uh, think it, Is it a player from Florida? He is from Florida, and he still currently resides and plays in Florida. Yeah. Then, 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 then we are thinking of the exact same player. Yes, we are both thinking of Udonis Haslam. Udonis yep. Haslam to the Pistons 
Uh, I mean, come on. The role player of all role players. The guy is such a good role player that he's still at 42 years old. Now he's only played six games this season. It's kind of a running joke at this point where he's getting paid a player salary to be an assistant coach. Right. He is going to be either on the coaching staff next year or in the front office. He will always be a part of this Miami Heat uh, uh, franchise. This this, this draft was... this draft was 21 years ago, and we are actually selecting a player that is still technically on an NBA roster today. Yeah, it's it is insane. Um, but the guy is just it. I don't. I don't. He's a great role player, yeah. and and he he's also a guy who is not afraid to from the bench tell a player that he will kick their ass. Uh, he's done it on several occasions. Um, he's just, he's, I don't know, um, just a great teammate, good role player. I think he fits in really well with that 2004 going to work team. Um, yeah, I would be really interesting to see how that would have worked out in another, in another world. Yeah. Talk about being a Pat Riley type of player, man. Uh, we just got, we just got done talking about Matt Barnes as a guy that Pat Riley would have loved. Well, he did love you down as the ultimate irony is Haslam actually played his first NBA game. So I think later than almost everyone in this draft class, uh, he wasn't even considered worth an NBA draft pick. He wasn't good enough to play in the league. His first year he played in France. Uh, he, his rookie season uh, in Miami wasn't, wasn't actually until 2003, 2004, but we do talk about it being him being a role player. Uh, he was a starter uh, playing 31 minutes a game on that 2006 Miami team that won the championship. Uh, now he was averaging a modest nine points, eight rebounds, uh, not even, you know, 0.2 blocks. Cause he wasn't there. He wasn't that athletic, but it, it's not like he couldn't play. And it, it's kind of weird talking about talking about him in this context, because he has three championship rings. He's played for the same team for 20 years. That, that is that, that is, I mean, other than Kobe Bryant, no one's ever done that, right? So you, you don't keep a guy around that long unless you're absolutely in love with his personality. And, yes, he hasn't played more than what? The last time he played more than 16 games in a season uh, was seven years ago. Yeah. <laughs> the, the last time he played uh, at least 70 games in the season was 10 years ago. So it is kind of a running gag that he's still in Miami, even though clearly he's no longer physically fit to be a full-time NBA contributor. But I I think the intangibles still count for something. And if you look at the players left on the board, uh, which of these would would benefit uh, the Detroit Pistons the most uh, for the rest of the 2000s? It's clearly Udonis Haslam to me. He started again. I'm glad we were on the same same wavelength there. He started a game this year, Keith. He started he started a game in uh in December against the Houston Rockets, a a team you'd want any him to start for in any. Yeah, I mean uh <laughs> and uh he he didn't score any points, he got uh, two rebounds, but he did start and he played eleven minutes. So Yeah, he, he has scored three points this year. Last year, he scored 32 points. The year before that, he scored four. Uh, then uh, 2020, he scored 12. Uh, 2019, he scored 25 points. And in 2018, he scored eight points. I'm talking total for the entire season, right. these entire seasons. I'm surprised he didn't score any points on Houston since everyone's scoring points on Houston. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Well, that officially wraps up the uh and i by the way i think that's the first time we both selected the same player in a while it's been a while since we yeah since we've, we we've done it that. before yeah i'd have to listen back i know we've done it before mario ellie i remember we definitely yeah. liked mario ellie on the pistons yeah um but yeah so that is going to wrap up the uh 2002 nba draft keith is going to be in, well keith is in detroit right now if you're listening maybe you're sitting right next to him and you don't even realize it uh this comes out on wednesday you're still going to be there right uh yeah we're we are planning to be in detroit uh from tomorrow until from tomorrow which would be saturday the 11th 
through actually it's tomorrow the 10th or the 11th tomorrow's the 11th, yes, tomorrow's the 11th. Yeah. okay so yeah tomorrow the 11th through uh wednesday which would i think would be what the 15th so yeah uh, and now yep and I'll, I'll be back home in the in fort mill south carolina uh on march 16th just in time for the uh, ncaa uh, march madness yes which we cannot wait for well next week uh next week on the schedule uh we're scheduled to do a movie it's Keith's choice and he has not made a decision yet so <laughs> i don't know what we're going to be covering but we are going to be uh going through a movie um a basketball related movie obviously and uh i guess we'll find out what movie that's going to be I, I i have i have some ideas okay I look forward to figuring it out. Uh, hopefully not like an hour before we get on here. <laughs> I finally decided to pick forget Paris. Uh, <laughs> no, uh, hey, there's a chance that's, that's, that's on my board. Cool. I look forward to seeing what it is and uh, we will see you guys. Um, well, not really next week, the week after that. But if you're listening to this right now and it's Wednesday, we will see you next week. But, oh, God, time is so confusing. All right. Goodbye, everyone. Hey, everybody. It's it's Mike. Uh, so after Keith and I got off the air, um, I guess it's not the air because it's a podcast. Well, whatever. After we stopped recording, we decided that we are going to change plans a little bit for the next episode. We're not going to be covering a movie. We're going to be covering Darko Milicic. Yes, I finally talked Keith into covering Darko Milicic. It is going to be a lot of fun, and it's going to precede our 2003 NBA redraft that we're going to be doing the following week with a special guest, Vince Goodwill. Uh, Looking forward to that one for sure. So, that is what we've got coming up. Darko Milicic, it's going to be a really fun and interesting conversation, and we'll see you guys next week.